All right. Hey, we are live. Um, we'll be getting started here in just about a minute, uh, but we want to thank everybody for being here with us today for our Google Educator Group meeting, GEG Ohio. Looks like it is one o'clock. So you know what? I think we're going to go ahead and get started right now. So hey, welcome everybody to our April 2021 uh, meeting for the Google Educator Group of Ohio. This is a monthly meeting where we take a look at everything new in Google from the last month, share Googly tips and tricks, and answer questions related to Google tools in schools. Howdy, everybody. My name is Eric Kurtz. I'm a tech integration specialist um, up at Spark, um, a regional EdTech Service Center here in Northeast Ohio. Uh, however, this meeting is open to anyone, uh, whether in Ohio or outside of Ohio, as long as you got an interest in Google tools in schools, we're happy to have you here. And I'm joined by a bunch of folks today. So I'm gonna call on you guys and you can do a quick introduction. Stephanie, why don't you let us know about you? Hey everyone, I'm Stephanie Howe. I am joining in from Pickerington, Ohio. I am an uh, instructional technology coordinator and I get to work with teachers on using technology. Excellent. Sarah, you're next. Hi, I'm Sarah Kiefer, and I am a technology integration specialist for the Ross Local Schools in Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, I get the pleasure of working with teachers and students on a daily basis and better implementing technology. So love it. Wonderful. And John. Oh, you're muted, John. Sorry. Got, got ahead of myself. Uh, John Mansell Pladel, and I am, I have a new title now, Professional Learning Group Supervisor with the Northern Buckeye Education Council, and we are located in the northwest corner of Ohio. So we have all the locations of Ohio, I think, covered pretty well. I think we, we're spread out pretty pretty well. Uh, but like I said, we're not just from Ohio because we always have a guest on each month. We try to. And we are joined by Jen Hall this month. So Jen, do you want to go ahead and do a quick introduction? Well, hello there. I'm sending greetings all the way from uh, the South here in Atlanta, Georgia. So my name is Jennifer Hall and I'm an educational technology specialist here in Atlanta. And my role is providing technology training for teachers and pushing into classrooms to enhance technology integration. So I'm super excited. Long time tuning into these monthly <laughs> meetings and thrilled to uh, join and share today. Well, that is wonderful. I am so glad to have you here. And I think this may, I don't know, we don't have it all that often. We have the entire crew here. So uh, we've got uh, Stephanie and Sarah and John and myself. We all are leaders, uh, co-leaders um, uh, of the uh, GEG Ohio group. And it is so wonderful to have everybody here today. And such a pleasure to have Jen on. Uh, Jen's been a great friend of mine for many years. I'm so excited to have her here. She shares so many, actually everybody here shares so many amazing things, you know, um, online. And it's just such a fantastic group to be with. So um, all the resources for our meeting today can be found in this Google document. And um, I'm going to drop the link into the chat in case that's more convenient for people that are watching live. You guys can grab that out of there. But if um, if you're watching this recorded, which I totally know a lot of people do, um, easy way to get to this agenda document is on the GEG Ohio website. That's at bit.ly slash GEG Ohio. When you go to that website, if you go down to the section on monthly meetings, you will see the link to each of the agenda documents for each month. So here's today's April 29th. 
And there's the agenda link. So you can always get back to this in the future, as well as previous months and the videos from the previous months as well. This document is editable. So we encourage you, please, to add things to this document. There are a few spots where you might want to do that, especially under the um, upcoming events. There may be some conferences or trainings or learning opportunities we were not aware about. Hey, plug it, put it in here and let us know about those upcoming events. There's another section here called Q&A. If you have some questions, please drop those in there. And also, if you have answers to those questions, please do that as well. So many times folks who are watching will have great things to contribute uh, as far as answers go. And then there's a section at the bottom called show and tell. And in that show and tell, there's a spot called community show and tell. So if there's things you'd like to share, something cool you're doing, a neat extension you've come across, a blog post you've written, an awesome YouTube video, just any kind of neat educational technology use of, of Google tools and schools, throw that into the community show and tell for the benefit of everybody here. Uh, and of course, you can you know, put content in the uh, live uh, YouTube chat if you've joined us live, and uh, we will do our best. Uh, between all of us, I think we should have it covered today to be able to keep an eye on any comments that people have. All right. Uh, with all that said, let's go ahead and jump on into our meeting. So we've already done the wonderful welcome and introductions. Um, under the important links, um, I do just want to, as always, mentioned, do sign in if you haven't had a chance to do so yet. There's a Google form here under important links that is highlighted in green. This Google form allows me to generate the certificates of attendance for the meetings. I usually wait, you know, a while afterwards because many people end up watching them recorded as well, and that works as well. But just fill in your information here, and that way I can generate that certificate of attendance for you. It also lets us report to Google numbers so they know how many people attended the meetings, which is great uh, as well. Uh, next up, we have a section on updates for our group, just to let you know that in between our meetings, you can stay connected through our uh, Google Educator group that we have. It's an email distribution group with over a thousand members in it. Instructions are here for how you can join that. Now, probably I should move a few things around because you know what? I would say probably under the group updates, maybe we should move the Facebook group down there in the future because we now have a Facebook group set up as well. If that's another way that's better for you to connect and communicate with people, uh, you can join the Facebook group as well as the email uh, distribution group that we have there. And then I think that gets us up to our upcoming events. Um, so I'll go ahead and throw this over to uh, Stephanie and Sarah and John. If any of these upcoming events are ones that you put in or that you've got knowledge about, um, there's only one in here that, that I'll claim <laughs> just a little bit, which is the Spark one. But uh, Stephanie, are there some of these that you wanted to speak about? O OETC is still happening, um, so it is still going on, and you're able to go in and check the recordings from past sessions, so if you've missed any, uh, make sure you take advantage of that opportunity. Um, I know there are Fred talks coming. I see Toby in the chat, so maybe he can give us some behind-the-scenes information on that, and the 20-minute tech tools in conversation, so like an ed tech style. Um, also, GTech Summit is coming in August 3rd and 4th, and they are still looking for presenters. If you're interested in presenting, um, you can go ahead and apply and put in for that. And then ISTE is coming up, which is like crazy because I feel like we just left ISTE. <laughs> I know. Um, and then also, awesome. and ISTE is all virtual this year. Yeah, I think they're planning next year to be in person. I believe it's Louisiana. 
Oh, really? I, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know where New it was Orleans, going. maybe? I don't hey, know. Hey. Um, yeah, it's a new location. That sounds And awesome. then there's the Google Summit. I don't think we've put that one in there. Did you see oh, that, Eric? You know, you're right. Somebody should add that in. So next week, I believe, um, 5th, 6th, yes, 7th, or 6th, 7th, uh, the Google Summit that is a, an annual conference we have here in Ohio. Um, typically, it's been in person. But again, yes, it's, it's going to be virtual this year. And um, so people can plug into that as well. And it's completely free this year. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, yeah, that is great. Well, while you're throwing that in, I will do a quick plug for our Spark conference. So where I work, it's a location called Spark, the Stark Portage Area Computer Consortium. It's basically um, an ed tech service, uh, regional service center up here in Northeast Ohio. Um, we have done a conference each year in August to kind of kick things off for the new school year. It's always been the first Friday in August. Well, we are going to be doing it virtual, <laughs> as I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, still, still doing that, uh, but we wanted to hold the conference. And so the call for proposals is out and the registration is open for that. It is free. It's always been a free conference, even when we held it like in person. It's, it's always been a free conference. So there's no change to that. The only thing that's different this year is we're going to have uh, both pre-recorded sessions and live sessions. I want to take advantage of that. So if you're interested in submitting a session for the Spark conference, uh, the call for proposals link is here try to keep it really, really, really short. Just who are you and what do you want to talk about? Uh, and, you know, do have an option in there to say, would you prefer pre-recorded or live or if you don't mind either way? And the pre-recorded is great. Yeah. If you're like, well, I don't, I really can't do August 6th, but all oh, between now and then I'd be happy to record a session. It doesn't have to be an hour long. It could be 20 minutes. If that's what it takes to get the point across, that's wonderful. Um, so I'm definitely encouraging people as a, as a way to, you know, share awesome resources and show what your school's doing or neat things you've been doing to consider that. Um, and the registration link is there too, and it's free. Um, that'll just let you stay in the loop on everything. And it's not just for our schools. Anybody can sign up, but it is designed to support our local schools um, here in this area. Um, and yes, I will admit the conference website, it's more of a, it's a more of a nostalgia factor. But yes, that is classic Google Sites. Yes, it is. That is that is still classic Google Sites. So um, we're running this one to the end, <laughs> because, which basically is coming very soon, as you'll see in the updates here. It's it's long enough to, for this to happen. <laughs> but yes, we're just we're kicking it old school with classic sites <laughs> still for the website there. All right. So anyway, um, if anybody else, uh, Sarah, John, and Stephanie, if there's anything else to add on the upcoming events. Really quick before I want Sarah to talk about the thing that she just added, but Toby in the chat, he just um, said the call for Fred Talks in 20 Minute Tech Tools is still open. So make sure you put in if you're interested and that will be through these this week. So it sounds like by the end of the week that will close. Right. Um, so if you are interested, make sure you check out your email from OETC. And then Sarah, can you talk about EdChange Global? Yeah, last year I participated, I presented at this conference called EdChange Global. Um, it's a 24-hour straight conference, so it works for people all around the world. Free online professional development, like I think one of my sessions was at like 8 a.m. and another one at like 4 p.m. Um, I do believe they record it and you can watch them later, but it, it, was, it was just a different way of having a virtual conference. So I, and they're accepting... Um, 
proposals for presentations as well still. Excellent. I was just going to add something about the, uh, the GTEC conference. Um, the keynote sessions are going to be Jake Miller uh, from the Educational Duct Tape podcast. And then a name we should be familiar with, it, uh, John Carippo, um, author of the Edu Protocol field, field Guide books. Uh, he's the other keynote speaker. So that's um, for the GTEC uh, summit, which is August the 3rd and 4th. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be presenting at that one as well. That is fantastic. All right. Well, hey, guys, thanks to everybody for throwing all these things in here. Please continue to do so if there's something we missed. Oh, I did throw in the link for Google I.O. as well. Obviously, this is not something that anybody would be attending in person, but they do stream things live. And Google I.O., although it's not specifically education oriented, it's Google in general, it's a great time for them to announce a lot of the new things that are coming. And so um, May 18th, 19th, and 20th is going to be Google I.O. Um, and it looks like it's still trying to load the page here. Here it comes. <laughs> and so uh, the uh, keynote uh, that um, is going to be on uh, the first day there um, on day one, uh, I think that's probably one o'clock Eastern time. Uh, it's always a great keynote to catch. It's usually about an hour and a half or two hours long, and they just cover a lot of new things that are getting rolled out in Google. And a lot of times, many of them will apply to education. So it's a good one to catch um, when that comes out. Well, guys, we're going to move on to the next portion of our meeting, which is what's new in Google. Uh, what we try to do each month is keep our eyes out for anything that gets announced either from Google or from Google-related blogs about uh, new features or updates or things changing because we just know Google's a moving target. And there's new things coming out all the time. And it's great to stay ahead of that or at least up to date so that you don't get caught off guard if you're supporting your schools or as a teacher in the classroom, you don't want to open up something and suddenly, oh, wait, this is different today. <laughs> you know. And also, it's just great to know what new features are available. So we've collected these here uh, since the last meeting. So there's a little bit of March on the end because there was some time after our last meeting up until today. Uh, we won't go through every one of these. There's just so, so many, but we've bolded some that kind of look like uh, they were uh, worth taking some time to talk about. If we don't cover something, you're interested in it, just click on the links. All the links are there. And if you've got some question about any of these that we don't cover, throw it in the chat or even the ones we do cover, please throw these in the chat and we will do our best to address them. I'll go ahead and kick it off, but then we'll just kind of jump back and forth uh, with uh, Stephanie and I uh, talking about these and then other people can jump in as we go and share their thoughts. So the very first thing that we're going to mention in the news, uh, Google had a blog post that they did back at the end of March about tools that they provide to help with spotting misinformation. Now, the blog post itself is great. Definitely check out that blog post. It covers a lot of neat ideas about, you know, how you can use Google tools to not, you know, um, be um, confused about what's, what's authentic and what's not online. The thing that I that caught my eye though was there was a tool in there I didn't know existed. And so maybe this has been around for a while and I just didn't realize it. Uh, but the fact check explore that gets mentioned in that blog post. I went ahead and broke it out here. And basically what it is is a website where you can type in 
a topic, a person, whatever, and it will do, uh, it'll pull up articles that are designated as fact-checked articles to help you realize, you know, is this accurate or not? And you can also click on recent fact-checks if you just want to see what has been popping up most recently in the news, and then you can follow each of these different articles to um, learn more about that. So either type in what you're looking for or see what uh, is currently trending. Uh, and that can be a really helpful uh, tool that I was not aware about uh, for identifying uh, what is misinformation and what is true online. All right. What do we have up next here? Oh, good. I really like the first link too, um, the resource link, because they also had something with images. Um, yes. I don't know if you saw that, but mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's so true that there's different images that are on in that too, like the quick pop-up message about, is this a reliable source? Right. And then it will quickly tell you, but the image one, it had like a shark and it was like off of the highway. Oh yeah, 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 and yeah. And I think sometimes too, like our kids live in a society where they can take an image and update it, edit it, and it looks completely different and they don't know what's real and what's fake. Uh, same thing like with magazine covers, you know with all the makeup and the touch up. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. And I, I love doing the reverse image search. Uh, that is um, definitely a powerful tool to be able to take an image and say, where did this show up online? And then, you know, a lot of times that can really show you whether it was accurate or not, because it, it'll help you see the other locations where this image has been used. So yeah, definitely check out the full article there as well with all the resources Google is sharing on spotting misinformation. All right, what's up next? Next up is the beta of Google Forms. So Google Forms at their um, event. Oh, when was that event? It was the Learning with Google event back in February. Yeah. And they brought out that Google Forms is going to have a save option. And this has been huge because I know a lot of educators have been asking for this. And right now it's in beta. Eric, do you have the beta version? No, and I have signed up twice already. So there is a sign up form here that you can follow to sign out, to sign up for it. And I've signed up twice and I've gotten an email both times saying, thank you for signing up. We're still working on some things. You should hear it soon. Is that consistent with everybody else's experience or have yeah, you guys gotten in? I haven't heard either. It looks like John was shaking his head too. Um, yeah. So let us know in the chat if you have this available because on the blog post, it was April 1st and it said next week we're launching. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I have not gotten it. But basically what it's going to be able to do is it's going to be on Google Forms, quiz or quiz assessment. So anything with like a Google form, they have to be signed into a Google account. So make sure you do click that option. It sounds like so see how it's collecting that email right on that um, little gift that's showing. Make sure that is clicked. Once that's clicked, um, students, parents, whoever, probably not parents because they're probably not in the domain, um, but then it will save the draft for 30 days. And then they can go in and they can edit and then they can complete the form. So I know for our district, we've been using Google Forms as like quick formatives, but yeah. this could maybe allow for some longer type assessments or maybe giving extended time for students that might need it. Right. Um, or creating multi-day activities. Yeah, I mean, boy, this has been requested for a long time for all those reasons you've mentioned. So I would encourage people still go ahead and sign up, you know, follow the link to, to sign up for the beta. And if you don't get it yet, don't feel left out because I think 
everybody's saying about the same thing that we were all signed up but haven't heard anything more yet so they must still be tweaking some stuff on that awesome very good let's see next up ah some neat new experiments <laughs> came out uh i love when google makes these cool ar and vr experiments and other cool experiments that they've got out there uh there's a blog post here that talks about some of these new experiments. And then I went ahead and explored them. And I do have links to two of them that really caught my eye. Uh, one was called Measure Up. And these are going to be done on a mobile device. So I'll just show you the, the GIFs here on the page. And you can explore it yourself with, with, with a mobile device. I won't be able to demonstrate it uh, right here, right now. Um, but the one that's called Measure Up basically allows you to just take your phone, Point it at something in your room, and as soon as it acclimates itself to the lay of the land, you can then start going click, 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 dropping points, and you can measure things in real life. You can measure length and area and volume by uh, dropping little points in the real world around these different uh, items. And so I've tried that out, and that worked well. Uh, the other one, though, that I just thought was really neat was Flume. So Flume, what it does is you take your phone and you point it at the ground. And as you point it at the ground, it shows an animation of the earth and it shows a line going through the earth. Um, and then when you click, it drills a hole through the earth, so to speak. And it shows you if you were exactly on the other side of the earth from where you're pointing, what would you be seeing? What is, what is the view from the other side of the earth? And then you can move the phone again and point it somewhere else and try it again. And of course, whatever pops up, you can then click on the thing that pops up and go to details about that and learn more about it. So I just, what an interesting thing. I'd be curious to see how people might use this, you know, it could be neat um, to, you know, explore different parts of the world um, and uh, to, to learn about other countries, other other areas. Uh, but I just thought, what a, what a neat way to kind of personalize that and have you be drilling through the earth right, right below your feet. <laughs> so, uh, and I do believe this might be Android only. I always apologize um, when I don't pay attention enough to that. Um, I'm not sure if this, this oh, it does say Flume is on supported Android devices. So I can't guarantee that this would work on something other than an Android phone. But anyway, I wanted to get those uh, on your radar as some neat AR and VR tools to explore. All right. And again, at any point, if anybody has questions, comments, feel free to just jump on in and give a holler. Uh, but uh, what do we have up next? Next up is Monster Mash. Uh, so this one looks a lot of fun. I'm, I'm kind of playing with it uh, before yep. I logged in today because you kind of get addicted. But it takes a sketch and then it kind of allows animations to occur. And this is like a 3D image. And so where it says online demo, we're going to have Eric demo this for us. Yeah. But you can kind of see some of these images of the movement that is um, able to happen. Right. And so the first step, it's pretty easy because I love how it has like one, two, three. So the first step is to draw. So Eric's going to draw something for us. And then we're going to go to step two. I'm going to give him oh, some legs. Oh, he's going to keep drawing. Legs. And if you double click on something, it'll make a duplicate of that item behind it. So I just put a leg on both sides by double clicking on it. All right. Yeah. And then next. All right, so step two, we're gonna inflate it. There we go. Oh, there we go. 
And then step three, we're going to go ahead and annotate it. And you're going to have these like little circles that go wherever you want movement to kind of occur. Um, happen. Yep, yeah. right there. So I think if I remember right, I hit record. Yep. And when I hit record, I go ahead and I and then, move. Yep. It. And it's like showing you what it's doing. And then I can do the other foot as well. Let me grab the other foot here. I'll try to grab the other foot if I can. Uh, maybe grab him. There he is. And then I'll try to record the other one as well. There we go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Woohoo. And now there's movement. Yeah. So then you can kind of see, and then you can save it or you can trash it. <laughs> Yay, look at him go. go but I can go. see kids like loving this right now, especially at the end of the year. What a great time to try something new with your students um, and to make some of these science concepts real. Maybe the kids draw the solar system or something and they show, you know, the movement or um, well, something really like that. Well, it's really neat that it's using AI to figure out stuff. So, you know, yeah. by putting limbs on something, you know, uh, some of the examples they had in the, uh, in the uh, article were really pretty neat. Um, I think uh, they had some animations that they had created as well near the bottom there. So mm -hmm. uh, some really creative ones. Um, I haven't played <laughs> with it much more than, you know, making my little walking meatball guy here. Um, so I certainly would like to learn more about it, but it's a pretty nifty one. Awesome. Very, very good. Well, we'll go ahead and exit out of that. Excellent. All right. Well, let's see what's up next. Uh, next up, we have an article here from Google talking about a change, um, an update to the originality reports in Google Classroom. Now, heads up, some things are free for all schools. Some things you have to be using what used to be enterprise or what we now call teaching and learning or education plus. This does apply to the paid version. So just heads up. I hate to get somebody excited about something and then, you know, be like, oh no, you can't use this. So what they're, what we're talking about is we've had originality reports in classroom for a long time, being able to uh, compare our students work against um, billions of web pages online to look for plagiarism or things that need to be cited. It's great for your students. It's good for you. Awesome. Well, the new update is the ability to do this search, not just against the billions of web pages online, but also to search internally between the other um, documents that have been submitted within your school district, within your domain. So what if two students you know, turn in a very similar paper <laughs> in two different classes? Or what if, uh, you know, maybe, oh, my, my brother or my sister took this class last year and I'm going to use their work this year? Well, the idea is this is going to start comparing the student's work as it gets turned in to this corpus of collected uh, documents from your domain. Here's the thing. I have not got this to work yet. So I'm just going to put it out there that it looks like it's rolling out, but it doesn't, I, I haven't checked in a couple of days, but um, 
So what I've done is I went in, I enabled it, I turned it on, it created a shared drive, which is how this works. It's called Originality Corpus. It created the shared drive. Anytime I choose originality reports and submit something, it gets added to the shared drive. All of that is working perfectly. And when I go to run the originality report, it even says uh, domain matches or something like that. And so it brings that up but it's not finding any. And I've intentionally put stuff in there <laughs> that is copies of other things that I have put in. And so far, I'm not getting any matches. So it's like, it looks like it's all working as far as it's recording the stuff, it's building the corpus. I'm not seeing the internal check though yet. So maybe it's still in the process of rolling out. So I would certainly be curious to hear if other people have tried it and if they've had success with it. I'm I don't think I've missed any of the settings. I went through everything and it all says that it's working, but uh, so just heads up. I don't know. If, has anybody tried this yet? Am I the only one who's played with it yet? And if not, that's okay. I'm just, just curious. All right. So anyway, heads up. That'll be a, a neat feature once that is fully rolled out. All right. What's up next here? We have time lapse in Google Earth. Um, so this is a pretty cool tool if you've never seen this, but you can kind of see the changes in Google Earth and you can have those conversations with your students about like, okay, what happened here? You know, why was there more water? Why was there more land? And then talking about like how civilizations and different things have kind of occurred over the different years to, um, to create the new look of Google Earth and what our world looks like now compared to back in maybe 37 years ago. Right. Yeah. Cause I think they've got, yeah, what, 37 years of satellite yeah. imagery. Yeah. And I think if you go up to the video, it's like yeah. above here. Um, you that? Yeah. Cause you can kind of see, like you can see the changes. Um, we probably don't need the audio. We can I, yeah. I went ahead and <laughs> Um, but you can just see like Earth's changes and then having those deep conversations with your students about, okay, here was, you know, 2020, here it was in 1984, and then they can see how it's um, evolving over time. Yeah, this is, it's fantastic. Now, we've had time lapse for a, a while, but not inside of Google Earth. So it used to be called like Google Earth Engine time lapse or something like that. And you could go, and that, that website still exists. If you go to the Google Earth time lapse website, that we've had for a while, a couple of years anyway, and you can, you know, zoom all around the earth and watch these animations, but it was always at that particular website. You had to go to that website on its own, but now it's actually inside of Google earth. And so if you go to Google earth and you go to the Voyager button inside of the Voyager tab, one of the options is time-lapse now. And then when you go into time-lapse, you don't have to leave Google earth. You can just go anywhere on earth and it will start playing the 37 year animation for you. And you can watch as you know, glaciers move, uh, deforestation, coastline changes, urban growth, uh, lots of neat uh, things in there. So uh, what a neat way to just really bring this to life for you. The only thing I'll add, Eric, is um, it does have some pretty um, severe requirements for bandwidth when it's loading all those pictures. So if you're on a slow connection at home, like I was when I was trying it out, it's, uh, you've got to wait for a while till you get uh, all the images to load. 
That is, that's a good point. You're right. Um, and I noticed the same thing here at home um, when I've used it on the bandwidth I have here at home. Yeah, like it's going to play through 37 years. <laughs> it may take maybe two or three loops through that for all the images to come in. So the first time it starts playing, they might be especially um, fuzzy, like just not in focus. They haven't like fully, the, the, the resolution isn't there, but as it plays through, you know, each time um, it pulls it in better. So yeah, you might just have to give yourself um, one or two passes while it brings in all of those images the first time. I did do a blog post on this one. So if anybody wants a little bit more details than that blog post gives, if you go down to, and I can put the link up at the top as well. If you go down to the show and tell section, do, 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 here we go. I did a blog post and a video. Well, it's not like terribly long. I think I did a five minute video, five minute video that takes you through everything on using uh, time-lapse. So um, if that's something, and I can, I can throw this link also up there, it's down at the bottom, but I'll put it up here as well. If you're just looking for a quick five minute video to be able to show um, people um, how that works, you can grab that there. Awesome. Very good. Um, before we move on to the next one, I did see something in the chat uh, suggestion that when it comes to the originality reports, there might be a critical mass that is necessary for it to start kicking in and working. So if that's the case, then certainly um, I, I would not have met that yet. <laughs> I've just thrown in a few samples. So thank you for, for suggesting that, that that might be the issue. All right. All right. Let's see what's up next. Um, the next thing we have here is uh, just a friendly reminder. Uh, we talked about classic sites earlier, but a friendly reminder about the shutdown of classic sites. So um, we have the new Google sites. We've had it for years and years and years. That's wonderful. Love it, love it, love it. But you might still have some of the old Google sites created in the classic Google site tool from many, many years ago. And if so, just a friendly reminder that they really are shutting this down. It really is going away. Um, as of May 15th, you will not be able to make new websites and classic sites. And then as of December 1st, you won't be able to edit any classic sites. And as of January 1st, they won't even display anymore. So <laughs> as I was kind of joking around earlier about our conference website, yes, my Spark conference website was originally created in a classic site. And yeah, just for nostalgia, it is still in a classic site. So it'll be, we'll be good through our conference. But yeah, by the end of the year, I, I will then port that over to something newer so that we don't, you know, uh, so it doesn't uh, stop working <laughs> at that time. But if you still have people that are using classic sites, just heads up on that updated timeline for that. All right. Well, hey, Stephanie, looks like our next one's a big one. We want to talk about what's yeah. going on with Google Meet. Lots of lots of updates with Google Meet. I feel like this whole year has been kind of around Google Meet updates because of the use. Uh, use of Google Meet definitely went up. And I think people are going to continue to try to use this at some capacity next school year. I mean, we're talking about parent-teacher conferences. Like we had a lot more success with them being through Google Meet. Parents could join from the car. They could join wherever they were instead of having to come in. So we were able to meet with parents that typically might not have a conference. Um, so making that an option for them to be able to do that, some of our meetings across the districts could be through Google Meet. So I'm curious to see how other districts are thinking about using Google Meet next year as we return back to school. But you can kind of see some of the new buttons coming out 
Um, so right here, we've got a different look. I think it looks a lot cleaner. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, and you can also see the presentation a little bit better. And then the icons at the bottom, you can see like the end buttons in a different place, the raise the hand, like everything is just kind of laid out at the bottom for you. Yeah, we used to have buttons at the top mm -hmm. and at the bottom. And yeah, it kind of felt like, yeah, you were kind of going all over to the screen for stuff. And you are correct. Every, all the buttons now go straight across the bottom and we can find, you know, everything we need there. Um, and they did move the hang up button away from the mute button because I think people had complained about that being an accident. So I having it a little further a away there has helped. Um, yeah. Um, and I think too, like if we scroll down just a little bit, if you have an interpreter or something like that, people were having a difficult time seeing that interpreter in your meetings. And so that will even be better. Like just the layout of it can be more accessible to everybody if there is that interpreter or um, maybe someone that they need to see constantly. Yeah. And all of this really is because of this new, I don't want to call it a new feature, but a new way that they've done the layout with the tiles. So um, the tiles are now a lot more configurable. And the first tile that that's applying to is the presenting tile. So in the past, um, you guys probably remember what the old one looked like here. Let me, um, I have a blog post on this one too, because um, this was a big one. Um, let me see if I've got a picture of the old one here still. Uh, yeah. So remember in meet, in this, I should say old, it's still current. It has, this hasn't rolled out yet. But when you go to present something in meet, I'm sure you guys are familiar with this. You get this big box that says you're presenting to everyone. And it does nothing. It just sits there. It doesn't show you a preview of what you're presenting and you can't move it and you can't get rid of it. And it eats up half your screen. And the biggest complaint is you lose being able to see your students. Yeah, you can still see some of them on the side, but it reduces the amount of students you can see. And so that's why for a long time, we've tried to use the grid view extension and it would work, then it wouldn't, then it would, then it wouldn't because grid view was the only way I think any of us had found that could get rid of this presenting thing because it was kind of hacking it in the background. The other option was to use the zoom out feature control minus to zoom out in meet to try to make this box smaller. Well, the nice thing is what they're doing now is they're treating the presenting tab or tile as just another tile and you can unpin it just like you could unpin anything. You can unpin it and now the presenting screen that you see your preview of it gets really small. And that way, instead of having, you know, all of your students crammed on the side and maybe you can't see all of them now, once you unpin the preview, now it doesn't take up as much room. So that's really nice. Also, it does show you a live preview. Now you can't edit the live preview. You still have to have another screen where you're presenting something, but the fact that you can see the live preview, sometimes I've just been worried, am I really showing what I think I'm supposed to be showing? <laughs> you know, is it, is, do I have the right things shared? So having that actually show us that I think is really nice. But Stephanie, I love what you said about um, like interpreters and so forth. And so they said this, this part of it is, is rolling out little bit later, but the ability to do multiple tab configurations to be able to like, I'm going to pin this one and this one, and I want this one bigger. And to be able to kind of control the layout there, maybe have a tile that's just for the interpreter. So these new, um, new layouts, they're starting um, 
in May. So I think the dates are um, May 3rd, if you're on what we call rapid release, and May 17th, if you're on scheduled release. And then there is a question on the chat. Is that the free version or do you need a subscription? Like, um, I can't remember if they mentioned it in the blog post. This is entirely free. None of this has, yeah, these changes to meet this is the change to meet fundamentally, whether you're using a personal Google account, a free school account, a paid school account, this is actual Google meet fundamental change in how it's being set up. So yes, everybody will have this layout. Everybody will have the buttons at the bottom. Everybody will have the ability to unpin. Now, are there some things in here that might be, um, Part of the enterprise version. Yeah, they do hint at other things coming down the road here later. Like they talk about being able to put in video backgrounds. They do mention when they when they, when that comes up that that is um, not going to be part. I believe I believe they said that one is not part of the uh, free version. But I could be wrong. But I thought I read that somewhere. Some of them. Uh, here we go. Yep. It's right here. In addition, says we're we're. Oh no, it was the auto zoom. Maybe that was the one. Sorry about that. They're they're releasing auto zoom, uh, which is going to be available for the paid ones. Sorry about that. I think this one might be for everybody with the video backgrounds. But but and what is auto zoom? Basically, if you're not in the center of your screen, right? If you've been kind of if you're drifting during the meeting, it'll notice that and it'll, it'll kind of it'll kind of zoom in on where you're at to keep you front and center. So yeah, those kind of things. And if they mention that, they always mention being paid, but no, 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 no. All this stuff here with the new layout, the ability to unpin your presentation, that is for everybody, not just for paid folks. So yeah. awesome. And I did do, and I did put the video link in there as well. If you want to see, I did like a pretty short, it might be like five minute walkthrough video that shows this. So um, right here below those links, you'll see, uh, it says my five minute walkthrough video. I should say Eric's not my, since we don't know who my is. There we go, Eric's, <laughs> there we go. Um, and the reason I was able to get to that, um, as a Google trainer, we do get a chance to have access in a demo you know, domain to try some of these things out. So that is from that demo domain showing, you can see a live walkthrough of what these new changes look like. No, um, Sarah, John, Jen, Stephanie, anybody else? Thoughts, questions, things on the changes to Google Meet? Awesome, very good. Clean up a few of my tabs here. All right, and I think we're getting down to the end of our updates. Um, The next thing here is a um, quick update on some things rolling out to Chrome uh, OS. And there is a uh, blog post here that uh, details some of these things. But what they include are things like um, a diagnostic app that is um, included with Chrome version 90. So if you're using Chrome OS uh, version 90 um, here, I don't know if we can see that one really well there, but uh, there's a diagnostic uh, app that is now built in and it will run multiple tests. I've tried this out on mine. It'll run a CPU test, a battery test, and a memory test, and just give you some feedback on the health of your Chromebook. So that's part of version 90. Um, other things would be if you 
do have a scanner that plugs in through a USB connection or connects via Wi-Fi as well. Oh, does both Wi-Fi and USB. Um, Chromebooks can now uh, function, can now speak with those uh, scanners and be able to scan directly to your Chromebook. So that's cool. And then the live captions feature that we talked about before, I know we think mentioned this last month, they, it oddly, it came out to desktop first, live captions is now rolling out to Chromebooks with version 90, the ability to turn on captioning so that if you're watching something that wasn't captioned, it'll automatically caption it for you. So I know we looked at that last month on a Windows PC as an example, but that is rolling out in uh, version 90, which is out now. This is the most recent version of Chrome OS. Excellent. Well, the last thing we had in here, I don't know, did you get a chance to play with this one yet, Stephanie? Yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> it looks interesting the way that it's kind of set up. So it uses, um, different AI and it's a Google arts experiment. And it yeah. also allows you to kind of play with words. So you can mix the words, you can spell with different letters, and then you can make new words with the like mouth movements. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it looks like you have it up. So let's go ahead and play a little bit. It's just, yeah, it's another one of Google's AI experiments. And, and I hate to say Google because I, I, I'm afraid I'm not giving credit to the person. It was a Google funded thing. Google had um, grants. They did um, uh, AI grants and they partnered with, these are the people who won the grants. So this one was uh, by Allison Parrish. So want to absolutely give credit to the person who won the grant and created it. Uh, but it is, if you launch it, it launches as a Google experiment on the, on Google's arts and culture experiments page. This particular one. Yeah. It's just playing with words. And so you give it like two words and, and then you can do lots of things with it, like the mixer, it will combine those two words into a new word. Uh, and if you hit it more than once, you'll get new versions. Well, usually get new versions. No, it's giving me the same one this time. But like, you know, if I wanted to say, okay, let's take me and let's see what John's here today. And we've got Stephanie. Let's see what happens. What, what would we make as an awesome team all together? So if we take uh, the four of us and we mix us up, what do we become? It's kind of like, you know, oh, we become Charon. That, that is, okay. So I don't know why <laughs> that is, but using AI, this represents the, those four words. Uh, let's, let's mix it again. Oh, or we could be Sarich. Um, yeah, it seems to be going between those. It seems to kind of like those a bit. <laughs> so anyway, you can mix words. You can also do the mouthfeel tuner where you put in a sentence and you adjust things like, what if you had a little bit of a head cold and you tried to do the same thing? Instead of saying the way it was, now it's getting, whoops, I've got my E's turned up. Sorry about that. Just give it a little bit of a head cold. So now I've got, how doth the little crocodile improve his shying tail. And then if I get it more of a head cold and more of a head cold and more of a head cold, <laughs> we're finally down to how doth the little crocodile improve his shying tail. <laughs> so I have a really bad, I'm really stuffed up. 
So, um, so you can adjust all of these different things, make it hissy or increase the E or the O or the ah sounds in them. Uh, then you've got a respeller where you said, what if you lived in a world where you didn't have vowels or you were missing a certain vowel? You know, how could you spell something if you didn't have all the same letters we have? You can turn them on and off. You can also create new words by going in and choosing fricatives and, you know, na nasal and voiceless and, and all these different mouth uh, things we do. Uh, and then when you hit play, it doesn't actually read it for you, but it will create, if you actually did these things, that is the word that would come out of your mouth if you actually uh, did these. And you can either set them yourself or you can randomize them and it will create those words. And then there's also just a random word explorer that has a bunch of uh, interesting words. So I don't know what all you might do with this, but I just think, you know, turn this loose on the language arts teachers and see what kind of creativity you can come up with to do this. Star says, go team Sharon. <laughs> yes, go team Sharon. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Eric, I have to say as a former language arts teacher, I was going through my mind all the fun things you could do with this. I was like, can you imagine story writing with made up words and then having students try to figure out with context clues, what, are you, what is the story about? I, super love cool. It. I love it, I love it. Yeah. And I think too, fluency, getting kids to read fluency, this might slow some of those kids down, but like if they're able to read some of this. <laughs> and I think if you had, I don't know if you wanted to, when you don't have any of the vowels, it almost feels like you can kind of figure out what it's saying, but like if you had a character in a story fr from, you know, a different planet or something and they were mm -hmm. trying to do their best to speak English, you know, you could come in and you could say, okay, let's say maybe they, they have some of the vowels, but they're not able to make the E or the I sound. Mm -hmm. How would they speak? And so you might use that to fill in their dialogue in the story. So it's like, okay, this is what's, if, if their mouth was in such a way that they couldn't say those things, they're an alien, here's how their dialogue is going to come across. That'd this be awesome. Kind of reminding me of when I tried to learn Chaucer <laughs> in Old English. Mm -hmm. So anyway, all right, guys. Well, have fun with those things. But most importantly, please let us know um, if you try any of these things out, how it goes for you. Give us feedback. You know, what did you end up doing? with your students, what did they do? Um, and again, we'll keep an eye on the chat during our meeting today. If you have some additional questions, comments, or feedback on any of those updates, we are gonna go ahead and transfer over to our next uh, part of the meeting, which is actually the show and tell. Um, we will start with uh, Jennifer, we'll let her share uh, for a while, then I've got some show and tell, Stephanie does as well, Sarah and John, anything you guys wanna share is great. In the meantime, couple of things I'm going to ask you guys to do while we run through that. First of all, if you have show and tell, please remember, go to the very bottom. There's a community show and tell section. Throw things in there. And the last thing we'll do is we'll get back to the Q&A. And so if there's anything you have a question on, I see some people are throwing some of those in. That's wonderful. Please throw in questions. And if you have any responses to them, that as well. So before we move over to show and tell, uh, Stephanie, Sarah, John, did we miss anything? Anything from the chat or comments that we need to address before we move on? I think we got everybody right. answered. 
All right. Well, Stephanie, I'll let you do the introduction since you book our wonderful guests each each month. And um, Jennifer, will you want to have uh, control of the screen? Do you want me to unshare so you can share your screen? Or yeah, you if, you don't, if, you don't, if you don't mind, that's, yep. you know. So let me go ahead. I'm going to stop my screen, my screen share. And I'm going to make sure that I've got it set so that everybody here can. And while they're share. doing that, I'll go ahead and introduce you Jen. Um, so Jen is amazing. And I just adore her so much. Everything that I've learned about like video and bit emojis, <laughs> um, I've learned from her. Uh, I don't think I realized how much I needed to know about bit emojis until she showed me all of the awesomeness. But she's just such a creative educator and just willing to share her knowledge and take the time um, to do some of those creative activities. And I mean, just look at her studio. Uh, the way that she sets up her studio is also amazing. And I'm really jealous of her home studio. Like, I wish I had all of that. So welcome, Jen. Go ahead and um, feel free to share anything I left out. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Stephanie. And I appreciate uh, the opportunity to share. Um, Stephanie, I connected through Global GEG and it's amazing over the last year how we've connected with people that we don't get to see in the real world, but but we feel like they're friends. So thank you so much for having me. And uh, in the next few minutes, I'm just going to share a couple of ideas on creating activities for slides and jams. And I love you mentioned your your love of using Bitmoji. My Genmoji leads a very exciting life. So you're going to see her over the next few minutes and a couple of, I just, she can't help but present with me. So uh, again, I'm an uh, educational technology specialist down here in Atlanta and I've been in education for a long time. Hence the reason my screws are loose and my hair is gray, um, but a uh, former middle school teacher. So I was really enjoying what Eric was sharing with that, that word game. That's just super fun. But um I often get asked this question, which should I choose? With the educators that I'm supporting, they're like, I wanna do an activity and what do I use? Do I do slides? Do I do drawings? And then when Jamboard really just kind of blew up over the last year and I was like, well, it depends on what the task is. So you gotta kind of keep that in mind. So I wrote a blog post a little while ago, comparing those and made this nifty little infographic here that kind of highlights the similarities and the differences and why you might choose one or the over the other. So I'm going to share a couple of ideas for each of those tools. And if you want to know some more, I've got some links uh, to share out for those additional ideas. And the presentation link is in the agenda. So please feel free to check it out. So let's start with some ideas for Google Slides. And these are based on projects and activities that I've done pushing in and working with students. Um, some were back in the real world when I got to be there in person with the kids, and then uh, some of them were born out of necessity to do these things virtually. So the first up is I love making comic, stri comic strips, and of course, having Genmoji star in them is even better than that. So a lot of teachers are like, well, I want to create a comic strip for my the book we're reading in language arts. What's the best comic strip creator? And I always want to say Google Slides because it's the Swiss Army knife of all Google tools because you can either have them create it all on one page and have their, you know, four, three, four, five, six blocks that you want the comic to be in, or each page represents that side and you can export it and make it look like a comic strip. Um, but I also love the ability to actually edit and manipulate images and bring things in. So to me, comics, definitely a way to go if you're always trying to do a comic strip activity. It's a great review activity at the end of a unit and say, hey, show me what you know, create it, and you can use the search capabilities and slides to bring in images if students can't create their own. I, on the other hand, like to create everything from scratch aside from Genmoji and bring in shapes and create from scratch there. Um, another fun thing that, that I shared a lot with teachers was creating the fill in the blank activities. And that was because 
when we went remote, it was like, well, what do we do? I can't print out the 150 pages of paper that I needed before. I've got this great PDF. How do I get kids to fill this out online? You can try a couple of different tools like Cami or DocHub, but they can be a little cumbersome and a little bit challenging for your younger learners or your SPED students that like going back and forth between two plat platforms can be a little hard. So one of the things I suggested was fill in the blank activities. You just need to convert that PDF to a JPEG and make it the background in Google Sites. Then kids can't move it. They're not going to manipulate it. And then you throw in text boxes. For example, this one right here, I put in the red text boxes so kids can't miss where exactly you need to fill in the words on this slide deck. You can make it a collaborative doc uh, slide deck, or you can push out a copy for each student and they can fill it out. And there's a new, here's a bonus tip. There's a Chrome extension called Full Screen Interactive Google Sides. If you haven't checked it out, what's cool is it opens up Google Sides full screen, but still has access to the toolbar. So it makes it a little more engaging for students to manipulate information or for you if you're presenting something. So there's that. If you want a step-by-step -step of how to do this, I've embedded the tutorial that walks you through step-by-step -step how you could create a fill-in-the-blank activity. Uh, next up is one of my all-time favorite projects that I've done with um, slides, and that is stop motion. When I saw that you could do this, I learned from a good friend of mine who's a, a excellent Google guru, Jeremy Badner. I was like blown away. What? You can do this? So this is actually from an activity that we did at the end of the year last year with um, social, or excuse me, science. And I did this remotely teaching students via, via Zoom. And you can create images and you can set, schedule it to have each image move each slide just a little bit to create the um, illusion of movement. And you can have students bring in images from other resources or you can have them create their own. And so to me, this was just a great way to get students to retell a, a story for, for language arts, to retell a historical event that they've learned about. Or in this case, we were talking about renewable and non-renewable energy. And this is an example I created for students. So bonus tip, like right now you can push it out in Google Slides and then schedule it to show exactly how it works. And I've got a little example of that step-by-step -step guide of me teaching students how to do it. But you can also bring it into tall tweets and turn it into an animated gift. And then it's portable. Then I can take this instructional piece that I've created in slides and put it somewhere else, embed it on a website, embed it in a Google Doc because it then becomes an image. So that's but, uh, activity number three. So that was only three. I did a 10-part series, 10 ideas. Of with 10 tools. So if you want to know seven more ideas of ways to use Google Slides, I've embedded that video in there for you to check out. So let's take a look at some drawings ideas. Okay. Google Drawings is one of my absolute favorite tools. And I think it's a little underutilized because people are like, they open up the blank canvas and they go, I don't even know where to start. So Google Drawings is really powerful because you can do fun things like create timelines. Because I have a lot of teachers that say, well, we need to make a timeline and I need, I've got to pay for this or use this. And how do I get this is great. Drawings is a one page opportunity, one long canvas that you can make it as small or as large as you need to. And it's ideal for making timelines. So as you can see, Genmoji, this is kind of a timeline of Genmoji's life over the last couple of years. <laughs> but it's a great opportunity because one, students can work on it independently or they can work on it collaboratively and bring in images, add text and really jazz it up. So I think it's kind of a cool way to do it. Another one of my favorite ones is posters. And so if you've never used Google Drawings before, because some people are or like, I've never really paid, played with that. I do have a tutorial that I've linked in here you might want to check out. Next up, all right, it's thinking here, and let's, there we go, is HyperDocs. Um, the idea of using HyperDocs, I know a lot of people use Google Docs for that, or they might use slides, but how about using it in drawings, because you can make the canvas so large, students can see 
everything on one page. You can zoom in to see what activities you need to work on. And because you can use the extra space on the outside of the Google um, drawing, you can do that. That's a benefit of having that canvas. I can put some instructions as you can see over here. And as I, this is that one long task, five tasks here, but when we zoom in, you can see each part of that hyperdoc activity. So just kind of a fun way to, to uh, engage students with different steps. Again, collaboration is very easy in drawings or you push out a copy to each student. And my other personal favorite, this is a template that I created, which was to make a back channel. So especially right now, everybody's in Zooms and Meets and Teams and all these different places and you can respond in the chat, but then the chat goes away. It might get saved somewhere, but in order for you to go back and see the questions, that's kind of cumbersome. And you might have questions that are posed on each different assignment, but maybe during your unit, you wanna be able to track what students are responding to, questions they're having, mis uh, misunderstandings, or just aha moments they might have. So you can use this. Someone asked me about Padlet and Padlet went to a paid option. I was like, well, you could create the same thing in Padlet in a Google Drawings. And so this is actually all of the same things you could add into a Padlet can be done in Google Drawings. And so this is a template. I've got it linked if you wanna grab it. You're welcome to use it. It's just kind of a great way to have that running back channel that lives in Google Classroom or attached to a document so students can capture that information and post those questions. So that's another idea for drawings. That was only three. I got a couple more you might want to check out. So that's included in the link. This is like a la carte. This is like super slam, couple quick tips and ideas. And then if you want to dive more, I've linked all those resources. And last but not least, we got to talk about Jamboard. Jamboard is... One of my new favorite things, because before I'd never heard of Jamboard, and at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, huh, what? Jamboard? And Jamboard's functionality has grown tenfold with the things that they've added and the features that they've added to it, which have made it probably one of my favorite tools in terms of having a whiteboard tool. So one way you might want to use it is for sorting activities. What's great is because you can add in images, whether you search them from Google or you upload them from your drive or um, your local device. And so you can add in uh, images. And here's one where we're talking about renewable and non-renewable energy. And it's a sorting activity where students, you can either make someone a team captain and, and they're the one that moves it, or you as a teacher can work with them and like, all right, let's look at this one. Let's talk about it. How do we classify it? And let's move it to that section. So sorting is a great way to get students involved. Uh, next up is one of the reasons I like Jamboard is the fact that it has the post-it notes. So that's super easy, especially for littles. Click on the post-it note, type something really quickly, move it where you need it to go. And so you can do small group tasks like that. Like here's one, uh, a template I have for three truths and a fib, if you're using littles or three truths and a lie, depends on what you prefer to use. But the idea that I can now push out one copy to each of the small groups I'm working with, because it's easy to share that link into your Google Meet or pre-assign it in Google Classroom. It's just because you can have a few kids in there. It, it, uh, remember, if you're not familiar, Jamboard only lets you have 50 people and it really kind of gets on the struggle bus above 30. The more people you join, it just kind of slows down. So it's not something you're gonna have, you know, 100 people join and you only get 20 slides. So it's really geared towards small group activities and you can make copies, which is pretty cool as well. So you can make a template and push it out and make a copy for each student. Um, another one that I think is kind of fun is uh, to use it as an SEL check-in because you can add in images, you can ask students, hey, how are you feeling today? And they have to find an image that represents them uh, for that check-in. I also like the fact that you can add in animated GIFs um, as a background or as images that you lay in there. So here's like a how you're feeling, you know, if anyone's a Schitt's Creek fan like I am, I love that, you know, or how are you feeling on a one uh, scale of one to David? Are you this excited? Yeah, 
I'm a little semi-excited or I'm kind of not really feeling what you're sharing right now, Jen. But again, another way just to jazz it up and get students involved is that SEL check-in. So that was like a lot. I got a couple more uh, Jamboard ideas. So they're there for you to check out if you're like, okay, that was three ideas. Jen might have a couple more good ones I wanna explore. Please check it out. But some things to level up the use of all three of these tools. Cool text has been my go-to for years because you can go in and do custom, custom animations for images that are either still uh, images or they're animated GIFs and you can add them into your slides, you can add them into your Jamboard. Before Jamboard had the ability to add text, it only had the post-it notes. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna need to have this be a little bit jazzier. So cool text was one of my go-to options because you can do custom headers, you can make your, your questions stand out for students um, and add that to your Jamboard. Great for slides and drawings as well. Another one that's one of my new favorites is Text Giraffe. And what's cool about Text Giraffe is you literally just type in the word you want. So it could be, for me, I put Tech Tips for one one, but it could be your students' names. And it's gonna automatically make one. You don't have to make any choices and choose colors and themes and fonts. It has 10 pages of options. You pick the ones you want and you can add them. One suggestion would be like, here's a four corners activity. Let your students make their own name so it represents them in this digital world. Like I got to pick the label and this is what I picked it because it's got my favorite colors and they add it to a um, either a Jamboard or a slide deck and, and they can drag it around to represent themselves. So like this is a digital version of a four corners activity where normally you ask a question and kids would get up and move to this corner of the room or that corner of the room. You can do it digitally and let them move their little name across to where they agree or disagree on a statement. So I will, one caveat is that there is like two images that are like a little iffy, they're bottles. So I'm like, they're juice bottles or Coca-Cola bottles. So just be mindful if you've got younger students, if you're gonna share it out that, you know, they need to make sure that it's an appropriate one for school, you know, to be used. Or if you've got younger kids, you could also just make a batch of them yourself and add them to them uh, to the, uh, Jamboard slides or drawings as well. Um, if you're wanting to level up and you don't want to have to reinvent the wheel, all three of these tools, uh, well, really slides and Jamboard, you can search in Canva with a free account. If you don't have an educator account through Canva, I highly recommend it. It's my go-to favorite thing right now. They have whiteboards that you can search and customize them and then download those templates to be uploaded as the background in slides or is in Jamboard. So now you've got these interactive activities and you didn't have to start from scratch. One of the best new updates to Jamboard was the ability to upload a custom background, which means you can lock that, students can't mess it up uh, and you can have these activities. So I definitely recommend checking out Canva um, and searching online whiteboard. You can also search presentations and you'll get ones that you can download and put into slide, uh, Google Slides as well. And one other cool place for free templates is Slides Mania. Slides Mania is, it's amazing that it's a one woman show that, that designs all of these amazing templates. I see Eric shaking it like, it's amazing. Like, I think I'm pretty good at designing some things. She is absolutely amazing and, and is so giving. If you send her a message and be like, I'm looking for a template like this, she'll make it. It's automatical. It's just how she does it. But there's so many great templates that you can customize and add them in and use them with Jamboard and slides. And also if you're using drawings and you want, now the one thing about drawings is you can't put a custom background, but you might get some inspiration of what you want to bring in to your drawings. Um, 
So I mentioned a couple of different templates. So these are ones that I've created based on the spotlight on strategies, which are quick, easy to use strategies to engage students with digital resources. Uh, they're from Discovery Education. And so these are ones I've created in all of those formats. There's even a couple of docs in here as well. So you're welcome to use any of these and customize them to your heart's content. They're based on different activities that you might be familiar with, six word story. There's one that's tweet, tweet. Uh, PMI plus minus interesting. All of these can be used either in slides or um, some are in drawings. Um, just a couple of cool templates you might be interested in. Whew, that was a lot. But if you want to uh, explore more and check out some more resources, you can connect with me at uh, techtips411.com uh, is my website and Facebook and, and, all, and all the things. But there's a bunch of different resources there. And this was just a taster. You know, I just wanted to share a couple of things uh, that you might be interested. Let me know in the chat. Did you get at least one idea that you were like, oh, I never thought about that? Or I've done something like that before. And, and now you've got a little bit more inspiration. I'd love to know that. I've not looked at the chat at all. I've been focused on talking, um, but I'm going to take a look at the chat. Let me know. Did you get an idea or two? And I'd love to hear from the awesome Ohio folks. If maybe there was one idea that you were like, hmm, not bad, Jen. I'm just curious. But thank you all so very much for the opportunity to share. And, and I'm willing to answer some questions if anybody has any in the chat. Well, that is fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you so very much. Um, the amount of awesome ideas and templates that you have there and that you just make them so freely available uh, just means so much. Uh, I really appreciate that. Um, uh, and, and and Stephanie is right. You have a you have such an eye for layout and design. And uh, I see your stuff, and I'm like, you know, I have to redesign my slideshows. <laughs> Everything looks terrible. Her stuff is so cute. Uh, you're just, <laughs> now, speaking of design, though, I have to ask the question. So, did you actually find a Bitmoji that had your hairstyle, or did you change your hairstyle to match your Bitmoji? You are hilarious, my friend. Believe <laughs> it or not the hairstyle has been there. And during this craziness pandemic time, there is, if you go back in the Twitterverse, you'll see there's a flat hair Genmoji when I could not get a haircut for a while. There is a rogue flat hair Genmoji. And then when I did a self haircut at home, which I've been doing my own haircuts for last year now, I've gotten pretty good at it. The first time I went a little short. So then there's a short hair Genmoji. So those are out there, but yes, the, the luckily my Genmoji has the perfect hair um to match you know the, the Moji style i got it <laughs> well i gotta say yeah you you nailed it i i don't know uh it's, it's one of those things you, you end up creating a bitmoji and you know over time you start looking at it and going i don't look like that anymore it's like do they have any bit any bitmojis that have you know more gray and a haggard look you know is i i don't i don't think they're quite reflective anymore <laughs> but yours nails it Thank you. Yeah, it's it's funny. I got the nickname the Bitmoji Whisper because I probably made about 100 people's Bitmojis because that's where people struggle is they're like, I don't know, that doesn't look like me. They, it's hard to like analyze yourself. So I made everybody on my team's Bitmoji. And every time I see someone, they're like, can you give me a Bitmoji makeover? And I'm like, sure thing. So I love it. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, and in the chat, people are going crazy about the four corners. Uh, they love, love, love that template, and they love Paula. Lots of shout outs for Slides uh, Mania, yes. and some people are using Slides Carnival. And then so Liz got five new ideas. 
Oh, so five. Exciting. Not one, but five. Yes. High five to you, Liz. Good job. All right. And a lot of people love the SOS strategies. Yeah. What's great. I mean, they are something that, you know, there's over 140 of them from Discovery Education, but they don't have to be exclusively used with Discovery Education Media. The, the idea is engaging students in that thinking process. And um, so I, I love that I can share those out and you can use it with a YouTube video. You can use it with a Khan Academy video. You know, the idea is getting students engaged in that strategy. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing, Jen. That was awesome. Yes. Thank you well, all. I appreciate it. We appreciate it so much. And, you know, uh, please feel free to keep hanging with us, uh, there, you know, as, as much as you want. We'll probably go for a little while longer here. We've got uh, uh, show intel and Q&A uh, still coming up here. Uh, so you're welcome to continue to hang with us. But we absolutely want to thank you, Jen, so much uh, for being here. And I encourage everybody to um, uh, to follow you, to, you know, uh, you know, uh, support to subscribe to your blog, uh, you know, what, whatever method <laughs> to get connected with you because uh, you put out such good stuff. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to move over to um, the show and tell from the rest of us here and a couple of quick things. So I'm going to turn it over to Stephanie to do hers, but I want uh, to, to remind Sarah and John to please share your stuff as well. Hopefully uh, you guys can do that. I went ahead and I know we don't always have the full crew here. So I just added in a, a Sarah show and tell section and a John show and tell section because Sarah, you have, you, you create content like nobody's business. I mean, you crank stuff out and people need to be aware of the stuff that you are putting out there. So please feel free to put that in there and we'll give you some time. Uh, uh, Stephanie can go, then I'll go, and then that'll give you and John plenty of time. If there's anything you guys want to add, you can do that. But Stephanie, let me turn it over to you. All right. So I put in my digital update that I send to my teachers every single Sunday. So feel free to look at any of these ideas. Um, Jen showed me the SOS strategies like throughout knowing her. She's always like, they're amazing. And so I have this resource as well. So if you are interested in those SOS resources, I think I can't even remember who I stole this from. Um, but you can kind of see the four corners and all of those different kinds of things in the Jamboard. So thank you, Jen, for sharing that with me. And then the next thing is Edu Protocols. So I love Edu Protocols. We had John on. And I just finished a whole video series. It took me forever. Um, but these have all of the different edu protocols from the books. So book one, two, and then um, the math book. So I've gone through all of them and I created a quick video explaining the process of the edu protocol. And then right here is a wakelet. And on all the different wakelets, you can find templates for the protocol. So all of these are Google slide templates. You can make a copy. These I've found on Twitter. I've created um, teachers and I have created. It just kind of depends. And if you go to like the main Wakelet collection forum, you can find all of the different types of edu protocols. Um, so feel free to watch the videos, share them with your teachers, use the resources. Um, I also highly suggest getting the books as well. So reading the books and then watching a video and then doing it is like the best way to do it. And if you're looking for one to get you started, Thin Slides is the best way. So Thin Slides is one slide, one image, one word. The kids have three minutes to create it. And then afterwards they share for four seconds. So great way to do an exit ticket. It's very quick, um, high level for some students because they're able to go as deep as they want to with their one word and one image. Um, but there are so many resources there. 
The next one is I'm doing a session on YouTube. Um, so because of some of the new Google changes, I want to get my staff used to YouTube. And because on Drive, we're going to have a storage limit. And a lot of the storage limit is our videos. It is taking up a ton and a ton of space. And so what I'm going to do is on May 12th, I'm going to do a session on YouTube. And we're going to kind of walk through like how to use YouTube, what kind of copyright things um, can I use, like music and images and talking about that kind of stuff. Um, also talking about like the closed captions, um, how to create playlists. So it's going to be pretty detailed session. And what I'm looking for right now is ideas. So if you are a YouTube genius, um, please add your tips and tricks, what strategies you use with students, um, how do you make it interactive? And then what advice do you have on copyright? And so if you want to fill out this form, I'm gonna share the answers to the form so you'll get full credit. So make sure you add your Twitter and your name um, for that. And then the next one is um, Starbucks. So this I found, I found slide, let's see if it will open. I found, hold on. So on slide three, I found this template and it just had a lot of words on it and it wasn't really organized for my brain. So I redesigned it on slide one. And what it is, is it's a Starbucks rubric. And a lot of times students struggle with um, explaining their knowledge and understanding a rubric. And so what this does is it takes the students throughout a rubric and it gives them a better understanding of why they got a four or why they got a three. And so, for example, if a four is if the barista, you ordered a drink and she gave you exactly what you ordered, but she maybe added some extra chocolate chips and maybe an extra dollop of whipped cream and you're super happy about it. So like the student went over and above with their project, they get a four. The three is they just got exactly what they ordered, no mistakes, and you're satisfied. And so you, you just did exactly what you were to do. You didn't go over and above, but you did exactly what the direction said. And then the two is there's lots of mistakes. Um, your, your cup isn't full, it's the wrong size, there's no ice. Um, you're really disappointed and you're like, do I give this back? Or are you gonna be like my husband who never gives anything back and you just suck it up? Um, so that would be like a two, like you're debating. And then the one is like, you were wanting chocolate, like something chocolatey. And instead she gave you like a strawberry juice thing. And so you definitely have to send it back because it's not even the right project. And so I think sometimes our students struggle with the rubric. And so if we can use like a Starbucks type rubric with them to say, okay, you, you're here at a level two, you're almost to a level three, but you just need to get the right cup size. Um, so maybe that means you need to finish um, this part of the project. And so just kind of helping them understand that. And then this was from Barb. She is um, from Ohio and she created one using ice cream for her little students. Um, so you can kind of see the ice cream that she has. And like here, you didn't even order an ice cream, you got a salad. <laughs> like that would be the worst. Um, all the way to all the sprinkles and the cherries on top. And so just kind of walking kids through the different levels to help them understand the levels on a rubric. And then the final thing I was going to share is this pile of world words. Um, I was on Catlin Tucker's blog the other day, and this kind of popped up. And it is created, um, let me find their names, because it's a book. 
I was now wanting to read it. Matthew, Harvey, and Jay. So they have a strategy and it's called Pile of Words. And so the whole blog post is down here in the speaker notes. And what you do is you first think of vocabulary words that you're going to be covering over a unit, over a text or project. So you're going to think of those words and as the teacher, you're gonna come over here and type those words into these little post-it notes. And then what I would do as a teacher is take these little post-it notes, copy them, so highlight all of them, go to slide five, and you're gonna need to paste it again because they're gonna to have to do another activity. So that's the first step is getting all the words laid out that you might need for the next unit, topic, whatever. Then step two is the students are going to group together and they're going to discuss on slide four, which words do our group, does our group know? So does our group know this word? Our group doesn't know this word. And then they're gonna say, oh yeah, I do know this word. Um, I don't know this word. And so they're going to kind of go together and then they're gonna decide, okay, which words do we need to look up? Once they've done that category sort, they're then gonna go to slide five and they're going to um, talk about what categories would these words go into. So for example, if we had like a dog, I might put that under here, it's like an animal, but maybe I had like dog food. Well, that's like a food. So then the kids can create categories and then they're gonna sort their vocabulary words together as a group. Once they label, they then go to the next step and they make a prediction. So they're going to predict what is the unit going to be about? So they have no idea what they're about to learn, but they have to use the words that were given to them and the categories that they've created and they have to decide what is going to happen in this next unit. So they're going to make a couple different predictions. Once they do that, they then do the final step. They learn the new unit and then they're gonna revisit this and kind of decide, did I have a correct prediction or was I completely off? So they're gonna look over their predictions and talk about how those related to the unit. Is Sarah next? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's, that's great. We'll turn it over to Sarah next. Awesome. Thanks so much, Stephanie. Um, Eric, do you want me to share my screen or are you going? If, if you would like to share your screen, that would be wonderful. That way you've got total control. If you want, I'll share mine and I can click on your links. Whatever yeah, if you don't mind share, I'm on two different computers. So Hey, I will do that right now. That'd be let great. Me, let me uh, get my share button here and I will pull that up. Thank you. And uh, here's the section with Sarah's stuff. Go ahead. Um, recently, I, I wanted to share out about using the master slide with Google Slides. So I did, it's two different blog posts, uh, but it kind of walks you through the steps of what I'm finding is, and, and I was in the same boat until last summer. I didn't even really know what the slide master was, but honestly, it was thanks to Paula with Slides, um, slides Mania. And I dug through one of hers and I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea, A, that it was possible or B, that it worked that way. And it just like opened up a whole new world for me. And then when I go in and I work with students, so I thought, well, hey, if, you know, I consider myself pretty proficient with Google and I still didn't know this, I made just some real quick, short videos on various topics of things that you can do and maybe the reasoning why you would want to use the slide master instead of just building everything on the face of your slide or doing what I was doing before, creating the design that I didn't want the students to 
um, change or accidentally delete from downloading it as an image and then putting it as the background, I found a lot more value, especially in the long run, as creating them as slide in the master, because then you can still edit them. And then I also love it too, when I share out templates, if I create all the um, editable stuff, but should not be manipulated in the master, then if you come along and you make a copy of one of my slides templates, then you can go in and you can really truly customize it to fit you and your students. So the master slide really does pack a, you know, a huge punch. So I did uh, just a couple series of different uh, videos about it. And they're all linked on my blog right there, techiecando.com. Yeah. And I'll tell you, Sarah, you did a great job on those videos. Um, I'm with you in the same spot. I mean, I've used slides forever and yeah, I know what the master is, but, and yeah, I poked a stick at it, but you're right to really understand how nice it is to build things in that master for future proofing it, to be able to go in later and make changes so much easier rather than saying, well, can't I just change the background? Can I just right. make the background in Google drawings, download it, make that be in my background? Yeah, but then it's static. That's it. It's done. If you want to do quick changes or allow people to change, like you said, using the master is great. And your, your videos are, 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 are awesome. So definitely check, check those out on that. Keep on, keep on going. What else do you have here? Um, so there were the two on the master slides. And then the third one, I've really become a huge believer in moat. And Stephanie, I saw on your one mm -hmm. Google form, you have the little moat icon on your Google form. And I am super pumped about that. Um, I just, I, um, just started really honestly this year, like January ish time, maybe. And again, did some real quick, short, little, uh, videos about how you can use moat within the Google applications. I use it for the most part in slides because I work with pre-K to four. So the younger audience, the kids that are just now learning to read or struggling to learn to read and all that. So when I've been creating activities, I have the directions or the information, you know, typed out on the slide, but then I also record it with moat. So the students have that option. Um, it also allows for what I noticed when I went into a couple of kindergarten classrooms, there's a great divide between the levels that all of our students are at. Like some of them are proficient readers, they're ready to go and they're doing. And then you have students that are still working really hard to get, you know, to the basics. So you go in and working with kindergartners in the first place is, is um, a wonderful challenge and being able to provide to them the audio that's necessary to support their learning while also building in some independence for them. It's game changer. Like the kindergarten teachers and I just like, we watch the kids. I would go in consecutively on Wednesdays. And from the first week that I did it, even to like the third week, the kids were like super excited and they're like, oh, you know, I can do this. And they'd only have to put up their hand if they accidentally like manipulated something wrong or they were confused about something. And it was, it was just a really great tool. Um, I also love that using it for voice comments as far as feedback goes, especially for the older kids. And if you're in any of the hybrid, still remote um, situations, it's even more powerful because it is your voice. But I've got teachers, we're, we're in person. We do have a remote option, but we're, I would say about 90% in person. And I had one teacher say, it's such a time saver to be able just to record my voice and even being able to use the moat pad or um, in, in a way using just your recordings and saving them to the classroom comment bank and being able to just pop those in, it's still your voice. 
And it's the same comment that you're probably putting on 50 of your kids' papers, you know, across, you know, several assignments, check your spelling, check your punctuation, you know, and you can build that repertoire up and it just over time is going to save just a massive amount. And there's such a, a, like a growing company too. They just announced the moat and forms and they're just continually trying to make things better. And that means more efficiency and a better connection with our students. Yeah, moat is fantastic. We're seeing a lot of comments, you know, in the chat as well. Uh, moat is epic was mentioned. Uh, and uh, I, I'm, I'm with you there. It's a, it's a fantastic tool. And if anybody is not familiar with it, your videos are a great way to get an overview of that. Uh, just to let people know, yes, there is a paid version, but the free version is still really good. It just limits you to 30 seconds, I believe, for the length of the recording. But you and it doesn't do the transcription. But I think other than that, I mean, it it's not like, well, it only works in a certain tool. No, it, it works in docs and in and, and slides and you know, all, an email and uh, it works for students and it works for, for teachers. It really is my go-to tool for quick audio recording to add to really any sort of a Google file or almost anything digital now. And what I, there are two really big things now that you mentioned, like students don't have to have accounts. They don't have to even have the extension. And for me, as working with such a young group, I try to be very mindful of the massive amounts of accounts that we're making and, you know, being conscious of making those decisions on their behalf. I love that with Moat, like I'm the one in control. My teachers are the ones that have the accounts and they're basically, they're clicking on links. Plus the audio files um, automatically come with the correct sharing permissions. So again, I've included those on some of my templates that I share out. So when you make a copy, it's not, I mean, the, the, the files just go with you. Like it, there's no, oopsie, I forgot to share that audio file with you. It's, it's already all right there. And that just makes so much sense. And I just, I love it. Yeah, great, great stuff. They're in a really neat company, neat, yeah. neat people there. And then I have one, one more item down there. It's not really like a show and tell, but this summer I am going to do a webinar series with my innovator coach, Dr. Desiree Alexander. We did um, a series last year, last summer, it was 10 parts. Uh, each of them were two hours long. They're tucked down all the way at the bottom. And that was like an intro to each of the Google applications. So then this summer we're back together and we're going to do, I believe there are six parts and we're going to do a deeper dive. We're going to level up. So if you're interested at the very bottom, there are two hour webinars that you're welcome to watch and learn from the resources are tucked in the, the notes below the videos. And then um, this summer, join us on those dates with the registration there. And then you can see what you can level up with your skills with Google and that it's all free. Fantastic. Oh my goodness. So good. So good. Thank you. All right. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing all that. And you've got your link in here also to your tech you can do uh, blog where you share all your stuff out. I like how you've got the side blog too, where you do the little nuggets versus the bigger ones. Uh, sometimes I think I should do the same thing, but it's like, oh, I don't know, but it's good for you. <laughs> that's that's great to be able to share. Well, I, did, I did that because I'm like, I cannot do a deep dive on everything yeah. but that I find, but I know that it provides value to someone. So yeah. like, hey, look what I found. Go go investigate it yourself. If I'm right. going to do something bigger, it's on my right. my main one. Yeah. I'm with you there. I know I know what you mean. Awesome. Well, um, 
John, I see that you threw something in here as well. You've got teacher made LinkedIn. Did you want to uh, share or do you just want me to um, go ahead and uh, hold on a second? Oh, you're going to go ahead and share that. Perfect. Yes, go ahead. Are, are you are still muted, John. Sorry about that. You're still muted. I've got a lot of background noise here. I'm at the office, so um, oh, okay. I've, got to, I've, got to, I've got to stay muted, but hopefully everyone will be quiet while I do this. Okay, so um, I don't know exactly when I discovered this. It was probably September of last year, and I've been playing around with it. Uh, Teachermade.com, and I don't know, it'd be interesting to see in the chat if others have been using it, but it... Um, I'm going to just quickly show you, it, it, this will be a sneak peek of a, of a presentation that I am actually doing at the GTEC Summit. And I'm exploring the idea of the SAMR model. And if, uh, for those of you who are familiar with that, you know, the, the idea of uh, the technology that you integrate in your classroom, uh, you start out by maybe substituting for uh, an existing um, activity and, you, and then you gradually move your way through um, to, and to a point where you can create an activity that wasn't possible before. And, um, and, and I think we've applied this model in educational technology to it for a while. There's a kind of a little bit of a, so I, I'm putting a humble worksheet that, that uh, all of a sudden the worksheet became crucially important uh, when the pandemic hit because uh, everybody all of a sudden couldn't print everything and give it to their kids. They had to find a way to get it to them. Um, this leads to a discussion which I think is important for people to have with their teachers, which is, okay, um, you're going to use a worksheet, but uh, are there other things that we can do? Or what are you already doing that fits somewhere into this continuum? And so some of the things that the others have described today, you know, I think you could, you can use it as a kind of a, a, a measuring point as to where you're at kind of in your uh, technology integration, but really, uh, some people will use this model and they'll beat people over the head with it and say, well, uh, you know, you're, you're really only doing substitution and, and, and you could do so much more. To, to me, it's more about understanding where you're at in the continuum. And then if you're interested in what a redefinition activity looks like, then you can kind of put it into context. So what I do with this, with uh, relate this to teacher made, and you'll see, um, Yes, there is text giraffe pictures coming right in there. Um, I started to spice up my presentations and I think this might be a slides carnival background that I'm using for the, for the, for the presentation. But um, I just wanna just introduce TeacherMade and what it kind of looks like because the hallmark of it was that if you get into tools like Kami and other ones, especially, and Sarah said you work with uh, lots of younger students. Um, I had the, uh, well, I don't know that I'll call it the pleasure, but uh, we introduced four classes of second graders to Kami as part because the district had, had adopted Kami as their tool. And I think you have to click through seven screens before you can get the kids actually doing something in Kami. And to me, I thought, oh, there's got to be a better tool out there. Um, wait till I show you in here. So this is just a couple of screen grabs of what it looks like. But this is the teacher experience. So you've logged into TeacherMade. And you're presented with, uh, you know, a fairly simple form, give it a title, a description, and then it asks you to choose a background. And the background is just going to be um, some kind of a, um, a PDF, or it can be a Google Doc, uh, it could be a JPEG, a PNG, a GIF, a PDF, uh, a PDF as I said, or uh, a DOCX file, um, a Word document. 
And then once you've chosen that, uh, it, you then, it displays uh, the image then, you can choose which of those pages you want to be the background of your worksheet. And uh, you, you basically uh, click this make my file button and it takes you right into this editing interface. And there's a couple of just little screen grabs there. This left one there is, is kind of a Mad Libs, similar to what I think, um, uh, I don't remember which one was mentioning it earlier. It might've been, I think it might've been Stephanie, but uh, it might've been Jennifer too. The, uh, but you can put a text box in there and you have this really easy to use interface where you add the text boxes in there, or you can make it interactive where you kind of, uh, you link up some objects in there and you make it into a matching activity. Um, what, what's different about this is that uh, you can optionally add correct answers. So it'll actually grade it for you. So then it becomes almost more like a Google form where you actually can have it grade it for you. So uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a worksheet, but it's homework and it can be a quiz. Um, if you had a, a, um, a Venn diagram about where it fit into with all of those tools. It's, I think it's kind of somewhere in the middle about what it's capable of doing. Uh, this is the, uh, you know, cutting to the chase when you want to assign it to your kids. And again, this is the difficulty. Uh, you can create a Kami assignment in Google Classroom if you have the Kami extension. Uh, but with uh, TeacherMate, and again, you'll see these little, this is where the, John, is it free or does it cost money? And uh, so if you want to just, assign a link and have them go into TeacherMade, then it's everything that you've seen here is free. If you want to integrate it with Google Classroom or with Canvas, then uh, that's where the paid version comes in. So it's, it's totally usable in the free version, uh, but you basically create an assignment and then you have it go in and I think, let's look at the next screen. Uh, you assigned it to your students. And so here is the assignment actually inside of uh, Google Classroom and it just shows up as, as a link that the kids click on. And then they go in and in their interface, there's actually, uh, and I don't think I have a screenshot of it, but there's kind of a continue with Google button that shows up at the top of the screen. And they basically click on that button and then it gives you the usual, you know, they have to pick their name from the list. And then once they've done that, that's it. They're in and they're, this is what the student interface looks like. Um, and they have this very simplified toolbar which is, which is again, what I was looking for from Kami, but, uh, and it is possible in the paid version of Kami to customize the toolbar and to remove a lot of the confusing tools. But uh, I just really like the way that TeacherMade has made that very simple. And then the kids are just gonna drag um, from like, to, to choose that that is the ant, they just drag from one to the other, and then they can click either save for later or I'm done. And it'll tell them if they got it right or if they got it wrong. And, um, they get a, a button at the end here that says submit the assignment. And I think the only thing that um, what happens if you have the Google Classroom uh, integration paid for, they still have to come back into Google Classroom and mark it as done. So it's not, it doesn't have as good an integration with Google Classroom as some of the other tools. Uh, like the Kami one, you can mark it as done in Kami and it marks it as done in Google Classroom. But definitely worth checking out, certainly for the ease of use for the teacher and the deployment with younger students. So that's what I've got to share and I'll pass it back to you. Hey, that's fantastic. And thank you for highlighting that because um, yeah, you're right. Uh, the PDF, the worksheet, 
became quite an important issue when we went virtual and teacher made. Um, yeah, I, I saw that kind of early on in there and was really impressed with the simplicity of how they handle that. So John, that is great that you're going to be presenting on that. I think that's great for more and, and more people to be aware of this. As an added extra, I'm hoping that um, the CEO of TeacherMade is actually going to come on with me when we record our um, session for the GTEC Summit, and she's going to do the demos uh, live for me. So, uh, so we, we're still working on that, but I hope that that will, that will come to fruition. Well, excellent. We look forward to all that you uh, create with that. Well, um, the last... Uh, show and tell before we move over to q a i've got a a section here where i'm going to mention and don't worry i'm not going to go through all these things uh but i'll mention a couple of the key ones out of here and then we will take a quick look at the community show and tell a few things have popped up in there and then we'll head over to q a uh please continue to throw things in the chat if you've got questions or comments for anything that anybody has shared so far uh so under my show and tell real quick i do have some blog posts from this last month uh we've talked about some of these already uh but just as, as a quick heads up up. Um, one I did recently was an update to an older one that I had done in the past. I used to have a post called 50, uh, 50 Fantastic, uh, but you got to be alliterative. So I went from 50 Fantastic to 75 Super EdTech blogs to follow. And so uh, these are the blogs that I subscribe to in my Feedly. Um, and Feedly allows me to pull all of these blogs into one place so that each day I can check and see what new things have been posted to these blogs. And these are uh, EdTech blogs from all around the world. And they're just you know people who share awesome things. And that's one of the ways I keep my finger on the pulse of what is happening out there. I would love, though, to know uh, which ones I need to add to this. <laughs> so please take advantage of this. Go through and uh, find, find some new blogs you didn't know about. But please send me suggestions for other awesome EdTech blogs that I have missed because this is certainly a far from complete list. Uh, but again, um, I do use Feedly and I do have an er earlier post that talks about Feedly, kind of explain how Feedly works. Um, it helps me to be able to manage this. Otherwise, I don't see how I could manage all of those blogs to be able to, uh, you know, to go in and check them each day, but it pulls them all together in one place so that I can see what's new each day. Uh, we already mentioned the blog post I did on the new layout for Google Meet. So check that out. Again, five minute video that will help you and your staff be ahead of the game on the changes coming out to Google Meet here in May. Um, if you are interested in Google Earth time lapse, there's a blog post and video there on how to use time lapse in Google Earth. Um, I did do, this is not really Googly related, but we'll just throw it in because it's awesome. I did a, uh, a webinar with um, Don Carney from Math Whiteboard uh, this last month. If you haven't seen Math Whiteboard, it is phenomenal. It is such an amazing whiteboard for math. It is completely free, no strings attached. And you can do just so many amazing things with it. It understands the math, but it also can animate things and it's interactive. And so you can watch this one hour uh, uh, recorded webinar on that. Um, did a blog post on an extension called WordTune, which uh, helps you to rewrite your words. So if you're uh, writing and you want to kind of uh, jazz things up a little bit. <laughs> Maybe, you know, you want to try to say things in a different way. It uses AI to read through what you've written and give you some suggestions for here's other ways you could word that. So it could be an interesting tool to provide some um, 
some suggestions for uh, for rewriting your work. Um, I then also have a recent blog post here on using Equatio inside of Jamboard. Equatio, totally free for teachers, no cost whatsoever, free extension from Text Help, the people that do read and write for Google. Equatio has been around for a long, long time. A lot of people are familiar with it. It lets you create math inside of things like docs and slides and, and sheets and so forth, but it also works in Jamboard. And so I did a 12 minute video where we go through all the details about how you can use Equatio to add in um, the Jamboard uh, or add in the Equatio uh, toolbar in Jamboard and then use that to be able to either add uh, math into Jamboard. So if you have want to put some math expressions in there, which is awesome, um, you can do handwriting or typing and you can add graphs in as well, which is wonderful. But then there's this really awesome portion called Math Space, which is a really neat button inside of Jamboard that gives you access to all of these really cool um, uh, smart shapes where you can create number lines and grids and protractors and coordinate planes and fraction bars and fraction circles. And they're all adjustable. And then you can drop them right into Jamboard through the insert button. And then suddenly you've got all of these really awesome drag and drop interactive Jamboard activities, but you didn't have to create all of the math for it. Equatio is allowing you to create that. So if you haven't used Equatio, it works in all the Google tools, but I think uh, it was just a little bit newer its ability to work in Jamboard. So I did do um, that video that covers that um, as well. Um, other than that, there's a bunch of cool things I saw over the last month, things I might point out that uh, jumped out at me. There's a cool extension called Vocab Boost. Uh, this one's pretty nifty. What it does is it allows you to select text on a web page and then it creates a um, kind of like a quiz, I hate to call it a quiz, but like a, a fill in the blank vocab test from that text. So like if I come here to Dogo News and I select some text here and I right click on it and say vocab boost and make a random test, what it does is it removes words from here. And then at the top, if I click show choices, it'll give me a word bank. And then I can go down through here and try to figure out, well, what makes sense? You know, what in this context, where should these words fit in? And you can customize it as well, but it's a live interactive uh, vocab uh, test that you can use there from any article that you're on. I thought that's, that's kind of neat. Um, I know we talked about slides mania earlier and how Paula is so amazing with what she does there. Um, I did put in a link here to a new site she has uh, created called Icons Mania. Same uh, wonderful creativity, uh, but now she's creating icons instead of just slides. You would say, well, that's really cool. That's wonderful. That's so great that she's done that, but it gets even better. It's not just that she, whoops, didn't mean to click on that. There we go. Uh, not just that she has created these icons, uh, but if you come in here and you make a copy of them, they're not just static icons. Every single icon she's created has individual pieces and you can edit them. So if I come in here and click on one of her icons and I right click and I say un group. I could ungroup it into different pieces. Or if I'm really careful and I click it once, you all zoom in so you can see this better. If I click it once and then click it twice, so I click it once to select it, click it twice, I can click on just certain pieces inside of it. So you can either ungroup it if you really want to, you know, uh, pull all the pieces apart, or you could again, click it once, click it twice and say, you know what? I want this part of my school to be a different color. 
and it will recolor that. So each individual piece of these icons, they're actually separate shapes. And again, if I came in here and said ungroup, you would see that I could just start pulling, well, I have to ungroup it all, sorry about that. Uh, ungroup, there we go. I could start pulling all the pieces apart that she's used to create these. So um, anyway, that is Icons Mania and she is uh, adding new ones all the time, looks like. I don't know how many collections we're up to now, but this one's number 40. Uh, so uh, a lot of uh, neat collections available there for you to use and reuse. Uh, another quick tip for you, um, showing YouTube videos without ads or comments. I know this is always something people ask about and there's lots and lots and lots of tools, you know, view pure and this and that and so many things. This was one that I like because it piggybacks off of something Google has made. It's not relying on a separate tool that might go away or something. So it turns out that YouTube has a special version called No Cookies, the No Cookies YouTube version. And that's something Google had to create because, you know, um, I think it was legally, <laughs> like they had to have a No Cookies option that didn't do tracking and so forth. And, uh, but we don't really realize that the No Cookies option is necessarily available. Well, this is a nice uh, blog post that explains how to take advantage of it. And really all you have to do is after the T in YouTube, if you add in a dash, it'll switch you over to the YouTube no cookie site. And it really is an actual Google site. It's not, um, it's not somebody else's website. It is Google's another version of YouTube that Google supports. But what it does is it switches you to a new version of that video that fills the full screen and doesn't have any ads uh, with it. So um, I thought that was nice because we're not relying on a third party service. It's actually taking it, but this is a nice shortcut to get to it quickly. I mean, you can just go to youtube.nocookie.com and fill in the stuff right, but the easiest way is just to put a dash after the T in YouTube and that shortcut uh, switches you over to the no cookie uh, site. So that's kind of cool. Eric, I just had a quick comment. Yeah. Uh, we, we had a tech tip that we did that was, I think, uh, along the same lines. And we ran into a problem because uh, the web filtering in some districts will prevent them from using this tool. So I just a sure. little caveat. This may or may not work in your district according to uh, what your web filtering policy is. Understandable. Yeah, web filtering, if, if you've got your filters all set up to adjust for YouTube, but now this is YouTube dash no cookie and that doesn't match the filters. Yeah, certainly that could be an issue. Other than that, um, I think the last couple of things I would mention in here that caught my eye, um, I did try something new this month with our event, uh, with our uh, GEG meeting, is I wanted to create a calendar event that people could add to their calendar without me having to actually invite them. And so I used this website called gcowlink.com to help me generate that. And here's the idea. If you look at the very top of our agenda, I have this link that says, add this meeting to your Google Calendar. I did not invite anybody to it, but I generated a link that will create, will manually create an event on your calendar that has all the details for our meeting. So down here, this is a site I used. I used the gcal.link site. And what it did is allow me to go in and give a name, you know, so like, you know, GEG Ohio, something like that. I will not fill in all of this. Um, and then a location and then, you know, the date, the start, the finish time. And then for the description, that's where I put in the link to our, you know, YouTube video. Um, so if I were to grab, you know, the link for, for our video, oops, oops, sorry about that. 
There we go. If I come here, there we go. And then once you put that in, you hit create link, it generates a link here. If you copy this link, anybody who clicks on that link is going to, it's going to pop up if I take this link and copy it. And if, if anybody clicks on that link, it's going to try, it's going to generate an actual event uh, with the date, the time and everything all filled in and then they can just hit save. I won't actually really do that. Uh, but that's something new I've been trying so that if somebody wants to be able to add something to their calendar as a reminder, I know that helps me so much. Seemed to be a quick way to do it. So I liked, I liked that. Uh, other than that, um, was there anything else I wanted to mention? Um, I do like this trick about adding a plus to the end of a bit.ly link also works on tiny URLs just to see where the link actually goes. If anybody ever sends you a bit.ly link and you're not sure who the person was it came from, if you take a bit.ly link, like for example, we have one down here, somebody shared out, here's a bit.ly here. If I come in and I copy this bit.ly link and I go, where does this really go? If I put it in here and put a plus after it, when I press enter, instead of going to the place that it says, if you happen to go there, here's where it's going to send you. And it lets you know where that bit.ly link is going to actually go. Not a bad idea to check something out if you're not sure if you want to click on it. And then the last thing I'm going to mention in my show and tell, um, TCA had a nice blog post about Capwing. They've been around for a while. They're really nice video editing, online video editing tool, uh, but they've added a green screen feature to Capwing and it is completely free. It really is. You can upload a video and up to seven minutes in length can spit out a, a green screened video. And so there's a nice blog post here from TCEA. If you're using Chromebooks and if you don't have access to a tool like WeVideo, uh, you know, it is a, 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 the green screen option is a paid uh, option in uh, WeVideo, uh, you may want to check out Capwing as a way to get um, a video with uh, a green screen in the back and replace it uh, with um, whatever image you want in the background there. So Eric, that is amazing. Stuff. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, that is yeah. amazing news about the green screen. Like uh, Capwing, yeah. I've seen all their other editors. I did not know they added that. That's a game changer for an upcoming project. So thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. Thanks to TCEA. And uh, I believe Miguel Gulen put that one out. So, so Miguel, uh, hats off to you, buddy. He puts out such good content. Um, other than that, we did have a few things in the community show and tell. Uh, Vicki Anderson, I am so excited to dive into this. I see a link from Vicki here about a collection of curriculum resources. Uh, that she's been making. This was the bit.ly that we just investigated. See, it really does go to a good place. I have not had a chance to dive into these, but oh, this looks like my kind of stuff. Cannot wait to explore and see what you shared in there. And then uh, I believe Dan Nyson shared this, um, some uh, EdTech in 30 seconds. I have not seen these either, Dan. So thank you for sharing these. Looks like you've put together some really quick uh, ed tech uh, tips and tricks. Uh, that's what I'm gaining from this, looking at it real quick here. Um, I'm excited to actually explore those. So uh, please do check those out and thanks to the community for sharing those. Well, what we're gonna wrap up with then is a little bit of Q and A. Um, so while we're doing that, um, Stephanie, John, Jen, Sarah, anybody, if there's anything that we've missed um, that you uh, have seen, please uh, let, let us know. Um, but let's go ahead and take a quick look at the Q&A. We won't go through all of these, but um, do encourage you if you did have a question 
to put it in here. And if you have an answer, uh, put that in here as well. Um, saw a question about the Chromebook diagnostics that was mentioned. Um, is that based on the OS version? Yeah, that's version 90. You could turn it on in earlier versions. I think 89, if you were in the uh, maybe it was like beh hidden behind some of the flags. You could go into the Chrome flags and turn it on. But in version 90, it is just available. It, it is in there. Um, there was a question about, is it possible for the host of a Google Meet to pin more than one person at a time? For example, they have a panel of four people and they want to pin all four of them. And it's a yes and no thing. It's like, yes, the article says in the coming months, you'll be able to pin multiple tiles. I might be reading it wrong, but I believe this is for your view. That's so you can see it that way. I don't think it changes. I believe everybody has control over that themselves. So as opposed to like StreamYard or something where you're putting people, you know, you're setting up a display with the people being shown a certain way. I don't think that's the intention. I think it's meant to change how it looks for you, not how it looks for everybody else on the other end. Um, there's a question about going to Google Workspace for Education Plus and any suggestions for training. I did throw in the links to the videos I did on Meet in Classroom, probably because a lot of the stuff that's going to be different about Plus is going to be that. If you, you know, what's different about Plus versus regular? Well, it's a lot of features in Meet and it's originality reports in Classroom, you know. So uh, here's a bunch of videos that do cover those enterprise or Plus features. And that could be something you guys could certainly uh, check into. Um, this one I thought was a great question. Is there a limit on how many responses can go into from a Google form into a spreadsheet? And the person mentioned that they have a sign-in form and that they said it's not syncing anymore, that the responses are going into the form, but they're not going into the sheet. And I kind of felt this first answer might be right on the money because I have seen this happen so many times. If this is not the answer, it's still good to know this. Um, when you have a sheet linked to a form, if you go into the sheet and you delete uh, data out of the sheet, and if what by that, what I mean is if you select the, the data and just hit the delete key, not delete rows, but you just delete the data. If you leave the rows right where they were at and just delete the data, Google Sheets knows those were those used to be there. And when a new form entry comes in, it puts it below the, 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 the latest entry that was there, even though they're not there anymore. And so what can happen is you can delete out like, you know, 100 rows and be like, why is nothing new coming in? It is, it's just coming in on row 101 and 102 and 103. So the idea is if you need to get rid of data in a spreadsheet that's linked to a form, don't just select the data and hit delete, select the rows, right click on them and say delete rows. Then it actually deletes the rows and the new entries will come in at the top where you're expecting them to be. So I'm curious if that might be the issue, but that was really insightful for the person who responded uh, with that. Um, and I think that's about it. Um, oh, here we go. Um, in Google Slides, can you make an audio file loop and then stop on a specific slide in the slideshow? You can definitely make things loop and you can tell them to continue to um, go after uh, the slide. But the question is, can you make them stop on a specific slide? Don't know about that. I think it's play it through once, loop, play only on the slide, keep playing on slide change. I don't believe there's an option that says loop, keep going, but then also stop on a certain one. So I think the answer is no to that.
All right. Well, I know we did not get to everything in the Q&A, uh, but if you do have um, any additional questions, please throw them in there. We're at the very end of our time, though, so I think we're going to start wrapping up here in just a moment. So what I would like to do is throw it out one more time to uh, Sarah and John and, and Jen. If there's anything that we missed, um, please go ahead and give us a holler now. Do you guys know of anything that we've missed before I do a wrap up here at the end? No? Awesome. Well, folks, I want to thank you so very much for being here today. Uh, as a quick reminder for you, if you did not get a chance to fill out the sign-in form, that is under the important links on page two of the agenda. That'll take you out to a quick Google form where you can sign in to get your certificate of attendance for this meeting. Uh, other than that, we would definitely encourage you to stay connected between the meetings in a couple of ways. Uh, in the important links, we do have a link to our Facebook group. And then under the group updates, we have a link uh, that will get you to our Google group for our email distribution group. That way you can connect with over a thousand wonderful educators and ask questions and share resources in between our sessions as well. I believe our next session, um, if we come down, looks like it's our last one for uh, the regular school year, May 27th. Um, we may do something in the summer. Sometimes we've done like a, a summer special in there somewhere, but typically uh, we either take a couple months off in the summer or maybe just do one over the summer. But we hope to see you guys uh, back here on May 27th for the last regular GEG for the year and hope to connect with you guys at all of these wonderful upcoming uh, events and trainings and so forth. So thanks again so much to Jen for being here. Jennifer, I really appreciate everything you shared today. And John and Stephanie and Sarah, as always, you guys make this work. So thanks so much, everybody. Take care.